Colossians chapter 3 says, this is the word of the Lord, so please give it your full attention. Therefore, treat the parts of your earthly body as dead to sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is because these things that the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. And in them you also once walked when you were living in them. But, but now you also rid yourself of all of them, anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you stripped off the old self with its evil practices. And you have put on the new self, which is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created it. A renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word. And now to the preaching of his word. You may be seated. No points this afternoon, congregation. I'm just going to preach to you the way in which the Lord preached this to me when I was studying. Today... By God's help, we're going to talk about sin. We're going to talk about sin. And not just the ugliness of sin. No, 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 no. But more so how you can conquer sin. You can battle sin. You can defeat sin. St. Paul essentially in verse 5 is picking up where he left off from verses 1 through 5. And he's, he's expanding his argument. In verses 2 through 3 he says... Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things on the earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ. St. Paul is just picking up where he left off. Before the reward show starts, celebrities walk down the red carpet and this one question is asked to them. Who are you wearing? Who who, who designer do you have on? Saints, that is essentially the question that St. Paul presents to us this afternoon. That's the question that don't look to your left, don't look to your right, but you look to yourself when I ask you, who do you wear? Who do you put on? Not Sunday morning and not Sunday afternoon, but rather Monday morning, Wednesday evening, when you're in the public square or you're in the privacy of your own homes. Who do you look like? Essentially, in our verses this afternoon, St. Paul is saying, since you have died to sin, put on Christ. Since you have died to sin, put on Jesus Christ. And what does it look like to put on Jesus Christ? Well, he tells us, put on the heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so you must do also. In addition to all these things, put on love which is the bond of unity. We'll consider those verses in the next two weeks. Saints of God, it's not hard to know this, to to discover this. You don't need to go ten years in the Christian life to find out this truth, that serving Christ is hard. That serving Christ is difficult. The easy part is knowing theology. I can give you books for that. But the hard part is living what you know. It's being a walker that it seems is the most difficult for us to do than merely being a believer of what we know. You see, it's hard for us, saints of God, 
to have a heart full of love for God and, and knowing what God has done for us and, and trying to allow that to be seen externally before others. The verse half of this verse, of our verses rather, are some of the hardest verses for us to consider as Christians. They, they really are. Now, congregation, when I say these verses are hard for us to consider, I'm not saying because these verses contain with them lofty doctrine, like like St. Paul just breaks out the doctrine of the Trinity before us or or Christ and his two natures before us. That's that's not why why they're hard. These verses are hard for us because they force us to examine our lives. That's why they're hard. One philosopher was right when he said it takes more courage to examine the dark corners of your own soul than it does for a soldier to fight on the battlefield. Interesting, is it not? It takes more courage for one to look into the very depths of their own soul than one to stand in the middle of battle. It takes courage, congregation, to, to put your soul under a microscope, to put your soul under a magnifying glass, all well knowing that you might find some things that are ugly. You might find some things about yourself that you don't even know about yourself. You might find some things about yourself that quickly need to be rooted out. It takes courage, saints, to change. It takes courage to change. It takes courage for one to tell you you're not living right. And you say to yourself, you know what? You're right, I'm not. The first half of our verses, St. Paul is challenging us to put our souls under the microscope. And what do you see? He says in verses 5 through 9, Therefore treat the parts of your earthly body as dead to sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, greed. They amount to idolatry. Rid yourselves of all of them, anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene speech from your mouth. Do not lie. Here, essentially, St. Paul presents to us what non-Christians look like. If you want to identify what a non-Christian is, St. Paul tells you in verses 5 through 9. He presents to us, essentially, what the world looks like. And how, saints, we are to consider ourselves when we compare ourselves to this list of sins. I love the language that St. Paul uses. He says, we're dead to them. That's your relationship, congregation, now as a saint of God to prior sins. You're dead to them. Dead to them. Now, that's interesting, is it not, church? When we think about the work of our Savior, Jesus Christ, the, the, the one thing that we know is that Jesus Christ put sin to death. Well, since Jesus Christ put sin to death, hear me now, since he put sin to death, then why is St. Paul telling us to kill sin? If Christ has already put sin to death, why is he saying Walk like sin is dead, but also continue to kill sin. I thought Jesus paid it all, though. I thought he did everything. What's going on here? Well, saints of God, when we consider Jesus Christ, specifically how he saves people from their sins, you must know that, yes, Jesus Christ, he put to death, death that ancient debt of sin that we owe to God. 
that, that sin that reigned from Adam to Christ, for sure. But also he puts to death the bondage or stain of sin. The stain of sin. Which means, saints of God, that when Adam sinned, not only did we acquire the status of guilty before God, but also we're messed up. Our minds don't think like they should. We don't desire the things that we ought to. We crave with our passions things that are sinful. You see, when Adam sinned, he not only separated us from God, but, you know, he, he actually separated our members within us. They're disordered now. You no longer think thoughts after God. You no longer desire to do the law and will of God. Saints of God, what we see from Adam's fall is that all of us, by nature, are children of wrath. That all of us, congregation, are children of wrath. In fact, St. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3, Among them too, we too all previously lived in the lusts of our flesh. We're actually supposed to be living according to right reason. That's how you're supposed to be living. But St. Paul says here, no, 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 no. We actually live according to the lust of our passions. The things that we share with the animals. That's what you live by now. You don't live by reason. You live by, you live like an animal. Indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind and more by nature children of wrath like the rest. Which means, saints of God, all of who we are, our whole soul has been distorted and stained by sin. And because of that, we now are sinners. It's just second nature of us to do now, right? The sin. So then, what does Jesus Christ do? Jesus Christ not only not only gives us a perfect standing before God, praise the Lord, we needed that. But also, Jesus Christ heals and changes our souls. That's what he does. Christ gives us the Holy Spirit. And by giving us the Holy Spirit, he pours grace into the soul. Grace that does what? Grace that makes you say amen to things that prior you wouldn't say amen to. That's what grace does. Grace makes you, when you hear about the saving love of, love of Jesus Christ, you might get a little teary-eyed. Or as before, you might roll your eyes. Grace changes your mind to think thoughts after God, changes your will to desire the things of the Lord, changes your passions. This is what grace does. This is, the men we're talking about, the work of sanctification. And if you want to know what it's going to look like at the end, just listen to Pastor Tonio's sermon from this morning. But saints of God, what we are, or rather, what we will be, glorious, body shining, and all, is not who we are now. We're not yet in that perfected state, but don't get so caught up on that. Because your perfected state is coming. Your inheritance is on its way. But what we are, or rather, what we will be, we are not now. God will present to present to us before Christ 
or rather Christ will present to us before the Father to be holy and blameless. We will go from being a church that's in the process of sanctification to a church that is fully sanctified. But congregation, we must know that salvation is not about merely just us entering heaven. But salvation is about God changing our nature, changing who we are, changing. See, see, God doesn't merely just say when you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you now get a new home. No, 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 no. You now get a new self. You see, the life of heaven is not a place. Primarily, the life of heaven exists in the soul. And it is seen from on out. In our text this morning, St. Paul is telling us that whom we used to be, that the stain of sin that corrupted our soul, we now have the power in Jesus Christ not only to fight. You don't merely just have the power now to fight sin. The world has the power to fight sin. You now can win and conquer sin. That's the great news of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, saints, I wish, hear me now, I wish, I wish every Christian, every Christian had a view of sin the way St. Paul did. Oh, how much, I, we would be so better off as Christians if, if we had a doctrine of sin like St. Paul. You see, saints, St. Paul didn't view sin as a, as a foe that could never be defeated. St. Paul didn't view sin as a mountain that's too high to climb. St. Paul didn't view sin as an obstacle that's too hard to overcome. St. Paul did not view sin as that last enemy in the video game that which we just cannot beat. No, for the Christian, sin is not so strong that it's invincible. No, congregation. St. Paul says that remaining sin ought to be treated like it's already dead. That's how you treat sin. That's how we look at sin. We must look at sin as an enemy that's already lost. As an enemy that's already been defeated. In the sport of combat, it's common for the fighter, or rather before the fight, for a reper- reporter to, to go into the fighter's dressing rooms and they ask the fighter, so what do you think? What's your prediction on the fight tonight? What do you think will happen? Nine times out of ten, what does the fighter say? I'm going to win. I'm going to win. I don't know how I'm going to win, but I'm going to win. Saints, this is similar to how we are to view remaining sin. The fighter hasn't even fought. And he already believes. And in some ways knows that he's going to win. You see, but we don't need to believe. We know the fight's already. The fight already has taken place over 2,000 years ago. The fight was on. And one came out of the grave and the other stayed in the grave. Will we battle with sin? Oh, of course we will. I'm not so naive to tell you that sin will never be a problem in our life. 
Of course we will battle sin, but saints of God, you must remember that the sin that we are battling, our Savior has already defeated. Already defeated. We must remember that, saints, that we are battling a defeated foe. Do you remember what Jesus says to the last minutes on the cross? Oh, those sweet words, it is finished. You see, those words, saints of God, they have an effect throughout time. So that we can say over 2,000 years ago, on September 17th, on this day, sin, you are no match for me. It has been finished. The work of Christ was perfect and complete. Saints of God, our Savior, not only defeated our greatest foe, but but then he gives us something not, I don't know if it's better, but complimentary. He now gives us the power to defeat it too. The same power he gives to you. You remember those sweet words of Christ to his disciples in St. John's beloved letter, chapter 16. I've said these things to you that in me you may know that you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. And they might think, oh gosh, this is from our Savior. We're going to have some tribulation. But, but, but take heart. Look up. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Now that's an amen. But St. John actually gives us a commentary on our Christ's words. Let me give you a better amen. St. John says, for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Let me give you my own commentary. Believer in Christ, you're an overcomer. You're an overcomer of the world. You're an overcomer of Satan, and you're an overcomer of sin. Because you're connected to Jesus Christ. Christ, by his Spirit, has given you the same power that was given to him to defeat sin. The same power, congregation, to defeat sin, but also the same power to keep sin in the grave. That same power. But if we were honest, church, it's that last statement that's the hardest for us, is it not? Keeping sin in the grave. Oh, that's hard. Keeping sin in the grave is the fight that us Christians are always in. And congregation... It don't take much for sin to to lift its hands from the soil. It don't take much. As you know, it can happen out of nowhere. Let someone cut you off in the freeway. Let, let someone disrespect you in public. Let someone wrong you. You're talking to your friends and you're having a great conversation out of nowhere. It, makes, it takes a, a left turn and the conversation turns to gossip and slander. You're on your phone. And out of nowhere, something pops up that grabs your attention. Just let the right opposite sex walk past you. It don't take much. It don't take much. Church, this is why we must be slow to judging others because of their sin. 
Because as you know, all it takes is one temptation. You see, even the most holiest and holiest of men and women, they still need to say, but you know what? It just takes one good temptation. It just takes one temptation. Put it this way, saints. If the holy angels can sin, if holy angels can fall from one temptation, then simply put, anyone can sin. Anyone can sin. But here's the great news, congregation. Anyone can sin. But you, believer, can win. You can win. I don't know if you needed to hear that. But I needed to hear that when I was preparing this sermon. That that I can defeat sin. It's something that we know already. But to live in light of that, yes, I can defeat sin. And conquer sin. But but not only that congregation. Not only can I win. In my battle of sin. But here's something that. I needed to know. Maybe you need to know as well. You don't have to sin. You do not. Have to sin. There's a, another. Alternative. When temptation presents itself. You don't need to give in. Think of who indwells you, saints. Just, just, not even getting to all of the theological, you know, data about who indwells you. Just, just think about the name. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. Jesus says in John 14, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper so that he may be with you forever. The helper is the spirit of truth. Whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him and know him. But you know him because he remains with you and will be with you. Here Jesus is telling us simply put that the same spirit that indwelled my human soul, I'm going to give to you. I'm going to give to you. The same Holy Spirit congregation that indwelled the human soul of Christ now indwells us. Christ's spirit is our spirit. The same spirit that, that led Christ to be tempted by, the, by, by, by Satan. That same spirit is the same spirit that empowered Christ to say no to the temptations of Satan. Isn't that most interesting? The spirit led Christ to be tempted. But it's also that same spirit that empowered Christ to say no. Church, think of our Savior at that moment after 40 days, tired, hungry, thirsty. Weak. All of that. Have you ever been there? Tired? Hungry? Thirsty? Weak? And that thorn is starting to work on your side again? And, and, and that temptation makes a little lap around your home? It decides to park in your driveway. Have you ever been there, congregation? Oh, saints, Christ was there. And yet still, weak, tired, after 40 days, hungry, thirsty, and yet even still, what does he tell the serpent? Go away, Satan. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And here's the best part of the whole text. And the devil left him. 
saints of God. Many things we learn from this scene, but we can say what Satan offered Christ was nothing in comparison to what he had in his heavenly father. All that Satan offered Christ was nothing in comparison to what he had with his heavenly father. And that's one of the ways that we battle and kill sin. When temptation arises, compare that momentary and false goodness to the everlasting and true goodness that you have in Jesus Christ. That's how you battle and defeat sin, congregation, in in the 1980s. I was born in 89, so many of you remember this. First Lady Nancy Reagan launched a campaign to get kids to stop using drugs. Do you remember the slogan? Just say no. Just say no. As easy as it sounds and as noble as an endeavor it was, it was largely a failure. And the reason why, congregation, because it's it's... Quite simple. It's it's hard to say no when you don't have something better to say yes to. It's hard to say no when you don't have something better to say yes to. And church, when we say no to sin, do we not have someone beautiful to say yes to? <laughs> When we say no to sin, do we not have, waiting for us with open arms, someone beautiful to say yes to? Oh, I love the words of the bride to her groom in the Song of Songs, chapter 2. My beloved is mine, and I am his. Saints of God, hear me now. Say that to sin. Say that to sin, congregation. When temptation arises, look sin in the face and say, you know what? I'm sorry, but I'm taken. I'm sorry, but I'm married. I'm sorry, but you see this? That's a ring on my finger. I'm sorry, but 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 I I, I can't give you what you want me to give you because someone already else has it. I'm sorry, but I got a joy that you can't give me. I'm sorry, but I got a sweeter pleasure than anything you can offer me. I have someone who loves me in spite of myself, who feeds me bread that you cannot buy from the store, who clothed me with his perfect righteousness. When I was sick, he made me well and continues to make me well. You don't understand sin. He wakes me up. And he lies me down. Oh, we need to tell sin. I got Jesus. And from the moment I said yes to Jesus, he has supplied all and every one of my needs. I am never in, in, without with my Savior. I'm sticking with Jesus. And quite frankly, saints, what does sin give us that the Lord doesn't have? What does a sin give us that the Lord doesn't have? What does it give us? Will you feel good when you commit sin? Uh, For that moment, you will. Maybe, sure. But I can testify to you today, and many of you probably already can as well, that, oh, I feel so much better when I say no. 
Oh, I feel so much better when temptation arises and sin is right at the door. And when I say no, oh, how much better I feel than when I actually committed a sin. Saints of God, just one time say no and see how you feel. Just one time tell sin not today. And matter of fact, not forever. Matter of fact, don't ever come around here any longer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can live without you. I mean, isn't that, isn't that what sin tells us sometimes? That if you don't indulge me now, you may never see me again. Oh, let us have the courage to say, that's fine. Hit the road. That's okay. That's all right. When temptation arises and when the Lord strengthens us to overcome, congregation, just say no. Because you have someone Yes, or better to say yes to. As we come to sort of a close, I I want us, though, to take serious, though, this list of sins that St. Paul gives us. Sexual morality, impurity, passion, evil, desire, greed, anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene speech, and lying. Now, why is it important for us to consider this list of sins? Well, because, you know, church, quite frankly, when the preacher starts talking about sin... Christians automatically rule themselves out because, you know, Christians tend to think that there's only really four or five sins. There's really only five, you know, dangerous sins. And, and, and if the preacher don't mention these sins, then I'm good. I'm straight. And for it's, it's that type of Christian that St. Paul says, well, you know, Christian, matter of fact, you do know that desire is not rightly ordered as a sin. You do know that greed is a sin, that that wrath, anger, malice are sins, that slander and gossip are sins, that that pride is a sin, that lying is a sin, that slothfulness is a sin, that despair is a sin. And church, how we know we are growing in holiness is when it's time to lie, you tell the truth. That's how you know. That's how you know, congregation. That's when it's your time to exercise that glory that was spoken of this morning and radiate it from out from you. That's when you show off the Lord. That when it's time to lie, you tell the truth. When gossip starts, you walk away. When someone says something to you that you don't like, you walk in love and not pride. That's when you know. That's when it's time. This practice, saints of God, ought to be intentional. We must be diligent in keeping the old man off and putting the new man on. Notice the language that St. Paul used in the verses 9 and 10. Do not lie to one another since you strip off the old self with its evil practices and put on the new self. The Dominican friars, they wear a habit which is essentially a long white robe with a belt. And this new clothing, it, it signifies their new way of life. And every morning, when that friar goes into his closet and he sees his old clothes still hanging, he has a decision to make. Whether he's going to put on his old clothes or whether he's going to put on his new way of life. 
saints of God, killing sin is not just a one-time event. Killing sin is not reserved for when temptation arises and sin presents itself. But rather, killing sin is waking up in the morning and making a decision today, I'm going to put on the new self. That's it. Killing sin is not when temptation arises, but it's when you wake up in the morning and before your feet touch the ground, you say to yourself, Today, I'm walking with Jesus. I'm talking like a Christian. You don't wait for the temptation. The moment you open your eyes, you say to yourself, today, I will live unto the Lord. Saints, here's the great news for those who say, today, I'm walking with the Lord. Here's the great news. The Lord says that I'm walking with you. Here's that. That's the great news. It's saying if you make a conscious decision in the morning, you say, I'm not going to wait for the right moment. But right now I'm going to start to be alert and put on the new self and walk with Jesus. Jesus says, and Christian, I'm going to walk with you, too. I'm going to hold your hand as well. Jesus, by his spirit, hear me, Christian, is walking with you. He's walking with you. There's never been a step, Christian. That you have you have performed and exercised where Jesus was not right, right, right there with you. There's never been a time since you've been a saved, blood-bought Christian where Christ has not been with you. There's never been a time. Which means, saints, and here's the great news, that we don't fight temptation alone. We don't fight it alone. You don't fight sin by yourself. But the Lord is with you. And if you don't believe me, here, 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 listen to David. David says in Psalm 37, he is their strength in the time of trouble. The Lord helps them and rescues them. Which means, saints, if God is with you when everything is good, then God is most surely with you in your times of trouble. He, he says in Psalm 34, 7, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Which means, saints of God, that you not only have the Holy Trinity indwelling within you, but you got the holy angels surrounding you, watching over you. And here's my, here's my favorite one. David says in Psalm 23, surely, Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Oh, how we need goodness and mercy. You need goodness, congregation, to, to, for God to, to keep you on the straight path, to keep your feet on the ground. But you need mercy, though, for when you fall down, mercy will pick you back up. Amen. Saints of God, you have to know this. You have to ingrain it within your souls. But you might ask in closing, but what about when I fall, preacher? I'm nowhere near teaching perfectionism. You will fall. Sin may at times win. I understand that. What about when I do give in? What about when sin does defeat me? Where's the Lord then? 
Oh, saints, be of good cheer this afternoon. Be of good cheer this afternoon. David says in Psalm 37, when he falls, he will not be hurled down because the Lord is the one who holds his hand. He holds your hands when you're standing and he's going to hold your hand when you fall and he's going to help you get right back up. That's the promise of God. Kill sin, church. Put on the new self. Don't just believe in Christ. Walk like Christ. And what does it look like? I end this sermon with what St. Paul tells us in verses 12 through 17. We'll consider these in two weeks. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion. Kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so you must also do. In addition to all these things, put on love, which is the bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ to which you were indeed called in one body rule in your hearts and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with hymns, psalms and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in hearts, in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him and God the Father. Amen. Oh, Lord, write these eternal truths upon our hearts. Let's pray.